your favorite CJSW program? Looking for a new program? Everything you hear on 90.9 FM can be heard again. Go to CJSW.com, yes, CJSW.com to listen back to all of our programming. CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting in Calgary, located on Treaty 7 land, home of the Blackfoot Confederacy, as well as the Sutina Stony Nakoda and Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3.
hello, hello. Welcome and happy Thursday. Thanks for listening in this morning. My name is Marley Gillies and I'm the Vice President External here at the University of Calgary Students' Union. If you've tuned in on Thursdays at this time before, you've heard my advocacy show. Um, So I come on here every Thursday to talk about what's up with my portfolio and what's going on um, with the municipal government, provincial government or federal government and specifically how it relates to students. Um, I am so excited because today is my first series of mayoral candidate interviews for the upcoming municipal election in October. Um, So I will be interviewing candidates from every Thursday up until the election now. Um, And my first guest today is Zane Novak. So excited that he's here to join me. Um, Before I start, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge the Treaty 7 territories um, in southern Alberta, which includes the Blackfoot Confederacy, comprising of the Siksika, Pegani, and Kainai First Nations, as well as the Tsutsina First Nation and the Stony Nakoda, The City of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. And I am broadcasting from the CGSW studio this morning, which is on the University of Calgary campus. So thanks again for joining. If you've missed my shows or want to catch up, you can listen to them on cgsw.com anytime. So Zane Novak is here with me today. Born and raised in Western Canada and moved to Calgary in the early 2000s. He was the former head of Calgary's Kirby Centre and the current president of ZKO Oilfield Industries. So ties to the business community and the nonprofit sector. Zane, I'm so glad you could join me today. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Marley. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, one of the main reasons I'm running in this mayor election really centres around post-secondary education and the students at come to places like here, MRU, SAIT, uh, Haskane. It's our future. And so to be on your show is a privilege. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm thrilled to have you on. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, your professional background, and why you chose to run for the mayor of Calgary in the upcoming election. Well, as a little bio said, you know, I was born in Lloydminster, smaller community, uh, Western Canada, grew up in Saskatchewan, came into the Alberta area in about 86. And ended up coming to Calgary for business in the early 2000s. Nice. And I really fell in love with Calgary. There's just <laughs> so much here to love you. Not are we just close to the mountains. I think that what's the greatest thing about Calgary is the people. And that may mm. seem cliched, but when I started coming here almost 20 years ago, the first thing I would say to people is, oh, what's your Calgary story? Because a lot of people were not born and raised here. But I always say Calgary for so many decades was like this candle this brilliant light, a beacon. And we were like moths that flock to it. And everybody had a reason and a story. And I think that the beauty of Calgary, more than the mountains, more than the rodeo, more than our connected downtown, were the people. And that's great to hear. That's yeah. what I fell in love with Calgary, was really the people. As cliched as that sounds, it's <laughs> honestly the truth. No, I love that. I think it's a great comparison. And, you know, from the student side of things, we, as a commuter campus, mainly um, here at the University of Calgary, we have you know, just a wide range of students that come to us from all different backgrounds and stories um, and lives. So it's it's very exciting to all come together and, and share in education, share in coming to the University of Calgary and having the value of education. But um, before we get into any specific topics, tell us a little bit about your professional career. What, what, do you, what would you say is your biggest professional accomplishment in your career? Well, I think that, especially in the oil and gas industry, I mean, I started... 14 years old, living in road camps, building the highways. Mm. Owned my first business wow. when I was like 20 years old, had a ready mix concrete plant. Uh, then I went to work for Lafarge, and that's what brought me into Alberta in like 86. 
Um, I worked on my father's, my parents' road construction company. I was a foreman and running a crew of one to 200 people when I was 19 years old. Then I came to Mm -hmm. Alberta with Lafarge. Then I got in the oil and gas industry. And one of the things I always tried to do in the oil and gas industry were non-traditional. And I brought a lot of technology into Western Canada to reduce emissions. Back before, you know, it was the buzzword about CO2 and greenhouse gas and Mm -hmm. climate change and the footprint of methane and all that. I introduced technologies and innovation that, you know, has reduced greenhouse gas emissions and things like that. Hundreds of, well, billions of standard cubic feet of emissions, Mm -hmm. clean technologies. And I just think that there's so much more dialogue we need to have about that. Uh, and areas we can grow and expand. That's so amazing. I'm I'm really proud of that. Yeah, I, I, I like doing things that are very challenging, and obviously yeah. running for mayor is very challenging. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> That's awesome. Really good to hear. I think you touch on really important and really really relevant issues, of course. Um, so last week, um, if you catched it, I was on the show talking about the Vote Anywhere stations. So um, for those of you who are listening, the Vote Anywhere stations are polling stations that um, have been on our campuses and at City Hall, where anyone in this city can go to that station and vote there, regardless of what ward they live in. Um, Elections Calgary has come out and said that they will not be having the Vote Anywhere stations, which is a huge step back from the 2017 election. Um, So students won't be able to come to campus to vote. So, do you support the return of Vote Anywhere advanced polling stations like we saw in 2017? And what actions have you done or do you think that you can do to help bring these back for students? Well, I will embarrassingly admit that I didn't realize that Elections Calgary was promoting to not bring them back. Yeah. I, I can't even wrap my head around that. That's insanity. <laughs> you know, I'm obviously older than you. Uh, I'm not a career politician at all. I'm motivated to do this because of my love of Calgary, and I think that it's just desperately needed that we need dramatic change in the direction this city is going. And one of the things when I talk to students, our youth, because um, one of the motivating factors is, you know, we're losing growth in, stu- in, in that 2024 dem- demographic. I always say, I wish I would have got involved years ago. Mm-hmm. I wish that I would have paid attention to politics and how it affects me years ago and now here we are in this day and age and we're taking the vote anywhere out yeah that was just to me the first step of moving in the right direction and now we've just taken three steps Mm -hmm. backwards so Mm -hmm. yeah i'm going to work with you work with your student body i'm going to advocate for this i'm going to do newsletters about it i send out newsletters every week and this is ridiculous we need the voice of our youth why do we think that we've lost 4.4 percent population growth in our 2024 it's because of actions like this Absolutely. Yeah. And it's going to be such a challenge now to get students to be engaged. I mean, we're in front of a very confusing elections with, I think, last I count was seven ballots. Um, so it's already sort of a daunting experience to students. So if worst case scenario, these vote anywhere stations don't happen, what do you think we can do to engage students leading up to October? Well, I think radio programs such as yours, all these types of outreaches to our community, especially our youth, are so important. You know, there's that popular saying, get out to vote. That's what you're going to hear right before October 18th. Every candidate, whether it's councillor or mayor, are going to be saying, get out to vote, get out to vote. I say, get informed Mm -hmm. and then vote. So if we're advocating for people to vote, number one, we need to educate. We need to get People encourage people to do the research, and we need to make it accessible. So things like, you know, vote anywhere, we have to get this back. 
and I will Absolutely. do everything in my power to do it. That's we to need hear. to get our youth engaged and informed mm-hmm. and, you know, get out to vote, but do it and understand who you're voting for, why you're voting and where you'll be in 30 years if you vote for that candidate or if you choose to just sit home and let someone else do it for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And I mean, we're coming up to a year where we're returning to campus in person. Um, so we have not only the brand new first years, but we have second year students who this will be their first time joining us on campus. Um, a lot of these students are freshly 18 and this will be the first opportunity that they have to vote. Um, so we want to make sure that, like you said, they're informed, that they know the vote is happening and that they feel encouraged and empowered to vote i think is most important i mean myself i will make my schedule and time available if there are any times that i could come here to a a lecture hall Mm -hmm. and and talk about my passion for the city and my vision for the city and also be questioned and grilled and sharing students vision one of the cool things before school finished there were several teachers who reached out zoom via zoom with their grade 12 class because most of those many of those students will be able to vote they'll be over 18 and i did a ton of zoom meetings with grade 12 students and it was fascinating Mm -hmm. i mean i was sooner done it in person but absolutely it's great i was so happy that those teachers took the time to get their students involved it's great to hear that you're engaging with students and thank you for coming on today um we did some promotion before the show to hear from students what questions they wanted to ask you and overwhelmingly the main topic was transit so you know speaking of the return to campus in person and uc being largely a commuter campus students rely on transit um it's something that they haven't had now for a full year um because the upass program was suspended because of covid so now that we're coming back to campus, students will be able to access the UPASS program again. How will you work with post-secondary students to ensure that, you know, the UPASS is meeting students' needs? Or, you know, will you make a low-income pass or a youth pass available to university students? Any specific ideas on how to make transit more accessible and affordable for all students? Well, I think the UPASS is just so, so important. I think what is mm-hmm. like 155 a semester yeah. and normal transit like $109 a month. Yeah, <laughs> so, for four months, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we have to have things like this. But if you want to solve a problem, first of all, you know, if you want to come up with a solution, first of all, you need to understand the problem. Mm-hmm. So I think that what would be most crucial is to have good engagement with students, uh, yeah, absolutely. All students, you know, you, but MRU and, mm-hmm. and all the other ones, and find out where the categories, where the gaps are. Mm-hmm. I think the U Pass is just so good. But maybe there are things, like you mentioned, that we can even do better. Yeah. I don't always understand, you know, we've lived in a very prosperous province and a very profer- prosperous city for decades. We're all kind of feeling the financial hit the last six or seven years. But I have long before I ever thought I'd be in politics, felt that we needed to do more to encourage post-secondary education and make the cost of entry uh, less impossible to to attain. Mm -hmm. We need to make it more accessible to Albertans and to Calgarians. I think it's just one of the benefits that the prosperity of our city and our province should have been doing for decades. Let's give every advantage uh, to our students to get the educations they want without the burdens that always go along. Mm -hmm. I believe you have to pay for schooling to a certain degree, but 
man, man, the, the costs are incredible with <laughs> tuition, yes. textbooks. Yeah. I have volunteers in my team that have done master programs in law, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they've literally spent over 100000 in tuition. Yeah. And that's just mind-boggling to me. How long to dig out of that hole? Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the cost of education. We're looking down um, some more tuition increases again this year for the third year in a row. And it's it's becoming a lot. And it's pushing the students that are at the margins out of their education entirely, which which is devastating to hear. But sort of back to this transit piece, and I'm glad you brought up other institutions in Calgary. Um, I'm the chair of what's called the Calgary Student Alliance. So we have uh, post-secondary institutions, all major post-secondary institutions in Calgary, and their student leaders come together in this alliance to you know, collaborate, share ideas, best practices, and have some sort of advocacy initiative. So mainly this year has been the Vote Anywhere polling stations, but in the past year or so, it's been transit and the U-Pass. And one of our main concerns is that, you know, the U-Pass is for students. We are the main stakeholders in this program, yet Calgary Transit nor our institutions consult with us directly. Um, we don't, beside, before last year, we never had the opportunity to consult with Calgary Transit directly about the U-Pass, um, which seemed ridiculous to students who the program was made for. Um, so I, I really appreciate your commitment to talking to students and seeing is there ways that we can improve this program? Is it actually meeting the needs of students? And the best way to do that is to consult with students directly. You know, I'm sitting here smiling and it's because... I have heard this story so many times. <laughs> I mean, I was in the charitable world nonprofit and board position, so I couldn't announce that I was going to run for an elected office because it was a conflict mm. of interest. And I never wanted to ever put like the Kirby Center or any other place at risk. But what I started like two, three years ago was a platform called Calgary 2.0. Okay. And it was an outreach platform to the community to find out what Calgarians were thinking, feeling, and needing. And almost every single Calgarian has said the same thing. It feels like they're not heard. They don't have a voice in the conversation. I've worked thousands of hours with their ethnic communities. They all say the same thing. It's not that everything Calgary does is bad, but they don't find about, out about it until it's after already enacted. It's the same with the students, apparently, from what you're saying. Like, yeah. here, these decisions are made, but you never had a voice in the exactly. conversation. It's yeah. insanity. So one of the things that I intend to do as mayor, it took me 100 signatures to file my nomination papers. Mm-hmm. I think if a form, a document, a statement gets 100 signatures, it should hit the mayor's desk. Mm. If I can run for mayor on 100 signatures, you as a student body, for instance, can put 100 signatures together on a, on a whether it's transit, whether it's parking, yeah. whether it's residency, whether it's anything else like that, it should hit the mayor's desk. And my team should look at it, and we should consider it. We need to start listening to Calgarians. And what you brought up is just so, so <laughs> traditional of what's been happening in Calgary where Calgarians aren't part of the conversation. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting initiative. And I, I think there's a lot we could get 100 signatures on. So you yeah. might be looking at a lot. Um, one of the other things that goes along with transit um, is the Green Line. When you announced your bid for mayor, you said that you'd felt the Green Line needed another look. So where do you stand on the project today? Um, at the time, I know you mentioned that you know, the green line needed to be revisited um, to make sure that it's done properly. So what are you concerned about maybe hasn't been done properly to this point? So first of all, uh, we've had a city hall for a decade that has kicked the can down the road. And every day you delay on a project, it costs more money. So now you're probably saying, well, Zane, where are you talking about delaying it? Well, I think we need to really re-envision it. They're talking about doing shallow trench, trench through the downtown core, which we know the water level is at uh, grade. That's all gravel. Mm-hmm. It will cost billions 
to do that. The province and the, and the feds have said they're going to each kick in $5.3 billion, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I believe that as Calgary, if we build it in the scope that it's been defined right now, we will be on the hook for about an extra $5 billion, which is a huge burden for Calgarians to bear, and it will impact our ability to do other transit, such as to the airport where 52,000 Calgarians work. I think we need to go above ground. We need to not disrupt our downtown further. The studies to do this were conducted when our downtown had an occupancy rate of 100 plus percent and a ridership rate that would affect that and reflect that. And even at that, you know, years ago, it was said that ridership would create about 40 million in uh, operational revenue, but the operational cost would be 80 million. So we as Calgarians would subsidize it to the tune of 40 million a year. Well, now with COVID, with vacancy rate, with everything else, an increased cost. We're probably looking at 110 million ops cost and about 20 million in ridership. Mm-hmm. So we as Calgarians could be on the hook subsidizing at 90 million a year to 100 million a year. Number two, people in every other mayoral candidate that's been running has been talking about this project creating 20,000 jobs. Well, mm-hmm. that's not what it costs. That's not what it creates. It creates 1,500 jobs a year, not 20,000. It's 20,000 man year jobs. If it was 20,000 jobs over a five to six year project, that'd be about 15 billion just in labor. So there's a lot of things that we as Calgarians aren't being told and we're not clear and we're not understanding it. If we go through the downtown core in a shallow trench, that means that we're going to have construction for three years in our downtown. And now you have to rip up the streets on both sides because you have to relocate the utilities. Mm -hmm. We're already struggling to fill our downtown core. Who wants to rent and move their business downtown when three streets are ripped up for two to three to four years? So I think that if we looked at it in a different perspective, took it above ground, more through East Village, connected the new BMO Centre, the convention centre, which is going to need strong transit, go north, accent and accessibility through that, get into Bridgeland, get, go north, then we could also save enough money because it costs only 20% to go above ground compared to mm-hmm. underground. We could go further. We could go down to Seton and get into the big catchment areas of population. So knowing that, you know, students rely on transit and many students are looking at the Green Line and seeing just openings of accessibility and being able to, you know, get to their place of employment or just be better active in the city because of it, does delaying it sort of take away that aspect? I know students are, you know, looking at the places where they want to attend post-secondary and transit is absolutely a part of that decision. How easily can they access their institution um, from where they live or from where they work or from where they'd like to spend their time um, and, and delaying a project this much that students are, are waiting for and looking for and that is long overdue is that sort of you know driving away more students or taking away that ex- accessibility piece well I think that that's you know it's such a pertinent question uh, and I already said you know every day you delay something to cost more mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter this one considering we could be on the hook for $5 billion in extra cost, could be the death knell to move other major projects forward. It is proven through countless studies that in the interim, the most flexible, cost-effective transportation is buses. So we could still Mm. do a further program with buses and accessibility. And I think some of the things we need to consider with buses is city doesn't even put winter tires in their buses. So that Mm. means, and they don't do snow removal, which is just mind-boggling to me living in Canada, that we have a city that doesn't do snow removal. We can do a much better job in a very flexible, pivotable manner to still provide great transportation for our students and all Calgarians without risking a $5 billion project. Because Mm -hmm. I want to put the train in, I just want to do it right. And if we don't do it right, then how are we going to justify doing a train project like to the to, from downtown to the airport. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Fifty, you know, if we put a train to the airport, not only is it fifty-two thousand jobs and workers that could use it, but it's everybody coming here that right now rents a car and drives to Banff, Canmore, Lake Louise. Right now, they could come to the downtown and utilize those restaurants, those hotels, those shops, be part of the vibrancy, and also put revenue into our downtown and create jobs, vibrancy, and prosperity. So pivoting a little bit, because I know you mentioned major projects. Um, So given where you stand on the green line and sort of reassessing such a major project to make sure that it's, you know, going to be effective and it's going to be exactly what we need it to be. Where do you stand on other major, major projects such as the sports center? Um, Because I know that's, you know, also very costly, also very long overdue. And it's something that students and everybody are eager to to either hear about or know what's going on and how the city's going to play a role in that. Well, I obviously wasn't at the table for the discussion of how it's financed between, you know, the, the Flames organization, Calgary Entertainment, mm-hmm. and the city. I am an advocate of it, and here's why. I mean, for years, we have been losing concerts and everything to Edmonton yes. because of the Saddle Dome and the, and the design of the Saddle Dome. So I think that things such as this are good because they bring in revenue from outside. If you travel up to our competitive city, Edmonton, you see what has been done there with uh, uh, Rogers, Rogers yeah. Place and how it just revitalized that whole downtown. Businesses popping up everywhere, the revenue mm-hmm. that's come in. I mean, they opened it up, and in the first couple of weeks, uh, Garth Brooks yes. brought in those concerts. And aside from tickets and concession, another $50 million came into the downtown court mm-hmm. in a week. Yeah, Man, could we use that right now? Absolutely. So those things are great. What disappoints me is that we haven't taken this further and properly done, and I'd love to talk to the students at uh, the UFC about this, we have a football stadium that I can take you to the States and I can take you to 200 high schools that have a better football stadium mm-hmm. than we have in Calgary mm-hmm. with, you know, how many great cups have we won here? And we need to do something about that. And yeah. I know that there's talk about it and talk about including a field house. I don't understand how a city of a million and a half people have, you know, in Edmonton, 900 and some thousand have four times the amount of field houses that we have. Yeah. Why are we so far behind on these things? These mm-hmm. are things that define us as being a city where you want to come, you want to live, you want to work, you want to raise your family out. And we've dropped the ball for decades. So we need to get these moved forward because of A, it's what the city deserves and needs. B, those things can bring outside revenue in, create jobs and prosperity that we desperately need. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad that you brought that up um, about the football stadium. Um, It's in Ward 7 and very close to the university and a lot of our events are run through there. So we take special interest in the development there was actually something I wanted to ask the Ward 7 candidates as well. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, And, you know, I totally sort of hear what you're saying about you know Edmonton and how that's really benefited their downtown. I went to that Garth Brooks concert and stayed at the hotel and ate at the restaurants and those kinds of things. I think students, that action we'd be looking for. Um, And it sort of relates back to this idea of bringing students to Calgary and keeping them in Calgary. When we have a downtown that looks the way it does or even just communities that look the way they do where our students live, um, it's it's driving them away. And I know a part of your platform was to, you know, reverse Calgary's youth leaving the city. So I'm, 
you know, can you tell us any specifics as to, to what that looks like and, and how we can work to keep our students here? Absolutely. I mean, for many decades, Calgary, I think, defined the term of fear of missing out, FOMO. Everybody, <laughs> whether you're in Flin Flon, London, UK, Abu Dhabi, Houston, Halifax, <laughs> Victoria, you had to come here. And we don't have that anymore. We're actually losing population density at the 20 to 24. And that, to me, is just a fatal, fatal thing. And it was one of the final things that really spurred me to do this. So I think that we need to, number one, start with our downtown core from 17th Ave to the Riverwalk. I have, if you go to my uh, platform, www.zane, the number four, mayor, zaneformayor.ca, mm-hmm. you can read my vision and you can read my platform and there's a whole revisioning of zoning from 17th Ave to Riverwalk. We need to bring vibrancy to the city streets. And yeah. if you bring vibrancy to the city streets, you're going to start to fill the towers that rise above them. Nobody really wants to work or res- reside in a tower when you get down to the street. It's a ghost town. Mm-hmm. So if we can start there, it will start to self-reclaim itself without us having to spend a billion dollars of taxpayer money to transform buildings downtown. Yeah. Let it grow organically through commercialism and through private investment rather than just always the taxpayer's pocket. Mm-hmm. Number two, I want to do things with participatory budgeting to showcase our ethnic communities, help to make them really part of Calgary, make them feel as Calgarians, and make everyone else feel that they are truly our neighbours and not foreigners. That is, I could talk on this topic for an hour. I know we don't have the time, but our participatory (laughs) budgeting, working with ethnic communities, I think is a huge, huge opportunity for us to move forward and really showcase the diversity and beauty of our city. Yeah, absolutely. And and what you're talking about makes me think of the guidebook for greater communities. And I know this was a topic at council and it's something that students are paying attention to because it it aims to do what you're saying um, and improve sort of the livelihood not just downtown, but in our communities where our students are working and are living. Um, so what's your position on the guidebook? Um, do you support the guidebook for greater communities? And, and do you think it will be beneficial for students or otherwise? I've read that uh, from front to back. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautifully written document. It's amazing. If I were to start a new community, I would probably use that as the blueprint. Mm-hmm. However, I do have some serious concerns about trying to put that into existing communities that are between 40 to 70 years old that have already been well established because of the fact of the impact it'll bring. Now, I understand why we would want to have a more diverse population within a lot of communities, but I think that what some people don't realize in the city uh, administration and city hall designing that, the greatest tax grab that they can have is to have multifamily units because They have few services to a lot of people and their exponential tax rate per square footage goes up. So the city will always do that because it's an easy tax grab. But it can also have an impact on a community that's 40 to 70 years old because you're now going to have to rip up the streets, new utilities, nothing's been designed to handle that. And I think that we need to have a little bit more per community engagement from the people who've lived in those communities to make sure that it will work and fit. For instance, my daughter owns a condo in Bankview. Mm-hmm. On her street, they just put in a four-unit commercial building mm-hmm. and gave it three parking stalls. So now nobody oh. in that whole area can park. Yeah. So, I mean, th- we've got to look at this in a very deep per-case per level to make sure that it will work and be sustainable. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I hear those concerns, and I actually spoke on this issue when it did go to council, um, because for students, the guidebook is, you know, it's a shining light. It's hope that, you know, better things are going to come for our communities um, and our city just generally. So what would you propose as an alternative? How can students be hopeful that things will change, things will get better, and where they're living won't just continue to get older and older and sort of outdated and outrun? Well, I think that some of the things we need to do is just the cost of living in the city period that's generated from the city. I mean, average sell price of every home in the city, $130,000 goes to City Hall. And that puts affordable living out of the hands of most people. And it also, this city, you know, is no longer really friendly to small business. And I think that's where a lot of students would like to go when they graduate. Stay here, open a small business, define their own structure and prosperity. And we are one of the more expensive cities to do that compared to like Edmonton, Mm -hmm. Saskatoon, Regina, Winnipeg, Ottawa. So I think there are things that we as City Hall need to sit down and talk with our students about. A, number one, what would you want to do here? What are the courses Mm -hmm. we need to be offering to make sure that we are providing schooling and then the careers afterwards to keep you to stay here. And then how does the city make sure that it's affordable, A, for you to live here, whether it is, you know, a version of the guidebook or whether it is yep. something else. And then how can we also make sure that we're not so over-regulated that we're just creating roadblocks rather than bridges mm-hmm. for you to stop start your new businesses here and opportunities yeah. here. Well, I'm glad to hear that, you know, you intend to engage with students and consult with students directly. It's something that as the Calgary Student Alliance, like I mentioned, that we're striving to do is to make sure that there's communication between us and all city councillors and of course the mayor and to have that ongoing established consultation um, because, you know, we really want to be a part of the decisions that directly affect students. So that's really exciting to hear. Um, So uh, we're coming up on the half hour mark. Um, One last question that I know students would love to know, and I would as well. We're looking at a very crowded mayoral race. There's, you know, 20 candidates at this point, I think, last I I counted. I think it's 22 this morning, I think. 22, oh my goodness. Um, So what sets you apart from the others in a crowded race? Well, two things. Um, Number one, I think I'm the only one that brings a balance of business and nonprofit. I think that of all the candidates, if you do your research, I'm the only one who has a lot of experience in small and large business, Mm -hmm. uh, corporately, but I'm the only one of the candidates who's volunteered 23,000 hours to our at-risk and non-profit communities, everything from from children to from our youth to our senior citizens, and I understand how those two systems work together. The other thing is I have a very young, vibrant team Mm -hmm. uh, that's very diverse in background (laughs) and philosophy, and the biggest reason I'm running to be mayor is it's nonpartisan. And I really want to be able to take my position as mayor based on what I've spoke, what I've said, and what I represent to my candidates. And I'm very strong on my principles. And I think that, you know, starting at the beginning, Calgarians keep saying that their voice isn't being heard. And I know to solve a problem, you go to the people who are experiencing, hands on in the game, boots on the ground, and you listen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I want to do. Like, it's why I'm here. And I want to continue to be working with the U of C students and MRU and SAIT and everyone else. We need to know what the concerns are, have an open door policy and work with them. That's really great to hear. And I know students will be happy to hear that as well as they're listening to these interviews and hopefully making an informed choice um, when they do go to vote in October. So 
Thank you so much, Zane, for taking the time to be on with me today. I know that you and I will keep on keep in touch, uh, and I'm very excited to watch your campaign as it progresses and we get closer to the election date. Um, but best of luck, and again, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. And the other thing I would just say really quick. Yeah, absolutely. Reach out to my platform, zaneformayor.ca. We need volunteers, but we also need information. Yeah. I know what I know in my bubble, but I don't know what... <laughs> is important to you and to yes. all the rest of the students and Calgarians. Please reach out, get engaged. This is your city. That's great to hear. And I hope the students that are listening or tune back in to listen, um, take that to heart um, because I know there's a lot going on for us right now. It's a busy time to be a student. Um, so we will want to make sure that our voice is heard as students this election. And that is exactly why I'm here. So thank you for helping me in doing that. Um, we'll keep in touch. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Marley. Freedom and blood. I make my mark and fight for tomorrow. Finally, I've got some there. Something I can raise my voice for. Fire. Tell them who you really want. Fire. You'll get yours and I'll get mine Proud I'm proud to be Proud to see the same proud Proud to be I'm proud to be neither So tell me Oh, you got to keep me Freedom's rough So we take our stand and fight for tomorrow Finally we got thunder Something we can bring down the house with fire Tell them who you think you are Fire Well, tell them fine is what you are Yes, they're proud I'm proud to be Proud to see Yes, they're proud I'm proud to be I'm proud to be me Yes, they tell me But I think of me, I think of me You don't own me 
There's a mass of screaming lyrics of the messed up kid And then he told that old man he was never coming back To be cut down again in a town like that Then he surely came to learn people come to watch you fall But he's out to make a name and a fool out of them all They'll never understand that boy and his kind Cause all they comprehend is a fucking dollar sign So don't stop going, going south Cause they'll let you play music real damn loud Don't stop heading, heading south they will understand the words that pour from your mouth. Welcome back. Um, my name is Marley Gillies. If you just tuned in, I had Zane Novak, a mayoral candidate, on my show just now to interview him, ask him about you know his student priorities, um, his mayoral campaign, and you know what his intentions are for for going forward. So it was great to hear from him. If you missed that, you can log into cgsw.com and listen to the whole interview. All my episodes will be posted there um, under the Students' Union Weekly tab. So uh, please check in. Um, every Thursday going forward, I will be interviewing either a mayoral candidate, a Ward 7 candidate, or a Ward 8 candidate. So it'll be a busy time leading up to October. Um, but it's so, so important. Um, so stay informed. Tune in listen in um very happy to have you here for the next little bit um i brought nicole my favorite guest on with me our su president because we have a very very exciting announcement uh, a couple of weeks ago we had um some information to share about exceptional tuition increases uh the university of calgary sent in several proposals to the minister of advanced education that proposed tuition for engineering undergraduates to be increased by what was it 30 percent that is correct and yeah i'll just say hi everyone and thank you so much for having me on again marley and wow favorite guest that is high (laughs) praise coming from you um but yeah absolutely so just to give everyone a little bit of background for anyone who might not know um the university of calgary was applying to the provincial government for exceptional tuition increases for five undergraduate and graduate programs um these tuition increases uh, ranged from, you know, 15.7% up to 51%. So they were quite large 
in scope. Um, so the university applied to have these tuition increases approved by the government, and we recently got some exciting news that I think you'll probably want to talk to me about, Marley. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am so excited. I, I This is a major win for students um, and is a direct result of SU advocacy. So, Nicole, what did we hear? It was a couple of days ago, Monday morning, I think, um, where we heard from the Ministry of Advanced Education, and what did they say? Absolutely. So the Minister of Advanced Education has ordered the University of Calgary to conduct proper student consultation in fall 2021. So the exceptional tuition increases are on hold until that time. So they sent back the proposals that the university had submitted. Um, and I know you yourself at the Board of Governors warned the university that this was inadequate, that student consultation wasn't enough, and that the minister would see this um, and send them right back. Absolutely. So both myself and the SU warned university administration and the Board of Governors that consultation was inadequate. Um, at a, a recent Board of Governors meeting, I asked for an extension on these proposals so that proper student consultation could occur. Um, the board unfortunately refused, um, but now the university is being ordered by the minister to redo student consultation in fall 2021. Um, so we at the SU see this as a massive win for students because students are going to get the consultation that they deserve on these you know, egregious tuition increases. These are very large tuition increases and they're going to impact a lot of students moving forward. Um, so we feel very strongly that students need to be adequately consulted on this issue. So I know that you and I met with the minister and we, you know, spelt it out for him about what consultation looked like, why it was so inadequate and why students would be really unhappy if these proposals went through. Um, do you, obviously, I guess that was enough. Why, why do you think the minister sent these back the way that he did? Yeah, so I know that we raised a lot of concerns to him um, in our meeting with him and mm -hmm. also in, uh, in a meeting that we had with one of his staff members as well. Um, the biggest issue here is that the university should have engaged students with the details of the tuition increases yeah. prior to the start of the summer break. And we didn't see that happen. The University of Calgary has a 10-month window in which they're required to consult with students. And we only saw details of these proposals in the last six weeks. Yeah. So that time frame alone was not acceptable. So I think that was really the, the driving factor that we raised to the minister. Um, but also we had a lot of concerns over the depth of consultation. We feel that students were not given all of the information mm -hmm. and they were not given all of the information soon enough in the consultation process. Um, yeah. So those are the, the main issues that were raised to the government and the reasoning why I think these tuition increases have been put on hold. Yeah, and so now the proposals have been sent back to the university and starting sometime in September, we'll have hopefully what we see as better consultation, more adequate and specific and relevant um, consultation with students until the end of October. So the university sort of has a second chance to engage with students. Um, uh, exceptional tuition increases have to directly improve or benefit the program that they're targeting. So if students don't see this as a benefit, um, then, you know, the, it's not worth the cost increase and we're looking at huge increases so obviously we want students to be consulted and have a say because this directly affects them Absolutely. Yeah. And you, I think you bring up a really good point there in the sense that, you know, these exceptional tuition increases are intended to improve program quality. They're not supposed yeah. to be brought up or brought about by the university for any other reason mm -hmm. other than program quality improvements. Um, and that was one of the, the key issue areas that we saw from the university is they never actually provided 
us or students with an itemized list of improvements that they would be making to the programs for which they had applied for these increases. So students, you know, were voicing their opinion and giving you know, us and the university, their feedback without actually knowing what improvements would be made to their programs. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that's completely unfair to students. That's completely unfair to the SU, you know, as the voice of 26,000 undergraduate students. Students deserve to know what's going to be improved in their respective programs. And we didn't see that from the institution. And I think it's fair to say that when this was happening, and I know you and I were both like, you know, hour to hour uh, dealing with this issue when it came up, is that we didn't hear a lot from students. We heard from, you know, student leaders who were faculty associations of engineering specifically, but we didn't hear generally from students. And I think that's so, that showcases so well why consultation was so inadequate. Like if the students' union isn't even hearing from students because it's, you know, spring, it's summer, um, students are away from campus, they're working, they're not taking classes, um, and you expect to do consultation during that time, I think I think we'll see a huge uptake um, in this issue with students in the fall. When they come back to campus and they're seeing this, it's a part of the campus conversation um, and we can actually go up to students in Mac Hall and, and ask them how they're feeling about this. Exactly. You know, I think that the University of Calgary brought this up at a time where obviously a lot of students were not engaged with their campus community because they were not enrolled in classes. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the issue here isn't that, you know, students don't have thoughts or they don't have opinions on this, because of course they do. It was that the university didn't provide the SU the opportunity to do adequate consultation with students and get their feedback and get their opinions and allow them a platform to voice their, um, you know, opposition to these tuition increases. We weren't given yeah. that time because this was so rushed in the last six weeks of the 10-month window. Um, So I definitely think that consultation in the fall is going to be a lot more robust and a lot more meaningful. And we will also be providing guidelines to the university on what adequate student consultation should look like moving forward. Yeah, I think you touched on an interesting point where students didn't have the opportunity to oppose these increases, but they didn't even have the opportunity to potentially agree with them or approve them. Um, (laughs) if, If students are willing to pay more, if they're getting direct benefits to their program, maybe that's totally worth it to them. But students didn't even get the chance to make that decision for themselves. Um, I know that the tuition uh, proposal, if it does go through eventually, it will affect students um, who are going into the engineering faculty in fall 2022. Um, But students now would be able to look at these improvements and see if it's something that they would have been willing to pay 30% more for. Absolutely. Um, You know, I know that the University of Calgary administration has compared the cost of our tuition to several other U15 universities. But in reality, you know, that that shouldn't really matter. It should be the students who are currently enrolled and consulting with them and asking them if they would derive benefit from having these program improvements made to their program. Um, And, you know, I think that, you know, having these consultations occur again in fall 2021 is going to allow a you know greater array of students to actually give their voice and give their opinion on this issue because mm-hmm. you know before the university was consulting with a very limited demographic of students in each program just purely because of the time at which they brought this up in the year it was after the conclusion of the winter semester and so many students were already gone for the spring and the summer so so we got this announcement on Monday morning that the minister has sent the proposals back. I know you were just totally swamped with media Absolutely. taking up this <laughs> issue. Um, and you know we were able to make this announcement and claim it as a huge win for students as a direct result of SU advocacy. Um, so it's been a busy couple of days for you. Have you heard from the university? 
I have not. Oh, I have not heard uh, anything from the university. I've received uh, no no emails or any sort of communications from them. Um, I'm sure that they're, you know, in the process of consulting and figuring out sort of what their next steps are. Um, this is going to completely change, I think, the time frame for, yeah. you know, how these proposals are going to proceed in the fall. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm curious to hear sort of where they're at with things. But as of right now, I have not heard from them. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting to hear. Um, I know this issue will start to ramp up as we do reach the fall semester and students return to campus. So if you're a student listening or you know a student uh, listening, um, look out for this issue. Uh, we as the SU have, you know, concrete requests and ideas as to what consultation should look like for an issue like this. Um, but if you're a student and you have ideas, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. This is something that we want you to be a part of um, now and in the fall semester before these proposals are due again. Um, so it's something that we'll be keeping up with um, and we will update everyone with. But it's it's such an important issue and it's it's not over yet. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you, you've touched on a lot of really great things, Marley. Um, you know, we've we've won the battle as of right now, but we haven't won the war. So we've still got a fight ahead of us in the fall. Um, but yeah, one other thing I'd like to comment on, too, is I think the last two days I've gotten a lot of questions from students on, you know, was this a gesture of goodwill from the minister or perhaps from the UCP? Um, and my answer to that would be, you know, no, this was the result of a lot of ongoing student advocacy yeah. from both us at the Students' Union here at the University of Calgary, but also um, from our counterparts at the University of Alberta. Yeah. We've done a lot of meetings with the government. We've done a lot of, you know, lobbying and advocacy there. Um, so, you know, this was really a, a student win, I think, in that sense. You know, students should yeah. be very proud of this. This is a really, really big win. Um, and we're looking forward to having, you know, a more in-depth consultation process in the fall. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely prepared and ready for it. Um, and like I mentioned, if you're a student who, who wants to know more, reach out to Nicole or I. Um, we're happy to, to chat about this issue and prepare students for what hopefully is a meaningful consultation process in the fall semester. Um, but that is that wraps us up. Thanks, Nicole, for coming on and sharing. That was such an exciting announcement that I wanted to bring back to the show and update everyone with. Um, I'm sure that we'll be on again to talk about this very, very soon. Um, but thanks for joining me and thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. Tune in next week. I have another mayoral candidate joining me. I'm very excited about. So if you want to hear from Jeff Davison, tune in next week. Um, and he'll be on with me at 11 a.m. And every Thursday after that, we'll have an exciting guest. So keep in touch. Um, if you weren't able to listen live, you can listen on cgsw.com anytime you'd like under the Students Union Weekly tab. I will always be there. Thank you so much for having me on, Marley. It was great to chat with you as always. Thanks, Nicole.